Welcome to Nobody Told Me. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. And we are thrilled to welcome Lewis Howes to this episode. Lewis is a former professional athlete turned New York Times bestselling author, high-performance business coach, and the host of one of the top podcasts in the world, The School of Greatness, which has had more than 150 million downloads. And Lewis, I feel like I know you personally. I remember listening to you for hours and hours when I was truly at what I consider to be my wit's end in the depths of depression and PTSD. And I just remembered thinking to myself, okay, I can make it through another hour. I can make it through another episode. And I feel like it was in picking up the little bits of wisdom from you and your guests that gave me hope. And then that eventually turned into confidence. And that made me who I am today. And I I really Mm. feel like you saved my life and the show did. And I could never be, you know, able to express how much your show has meant to me over the years. Thank you. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. That's my whole mission is to, to impact people as much as I can through the, the stupid lessons that I've made in my, in my past and the mistakes I've made and how I've learned and grown from them. And also by just seeking out wisdom from really smart people, really smart people. On, <laughs> on, how to, on how to apply those lessons in my life quicker and help people who can listen to it. So I'm, I'm glad it's been impactful for you. Yeah. And you've accomplished so much, but you had to go through so many dark times to get to be the Lewis Howes that you are today. And a lot of that um, included trauma that you suffered as a child. Can you talk to us about that and the impact that that had on you? You know, I think we all face our own traumatic experiences, some for people and I don't like to compare, you know, some people might have been homeless on the streets or in foster care or been physically abused or emotionally abused or neglected that we all have different types of trauma, or we could have just had friends make fun of us a lot, which became very traumatic for us over the years. For me, it was sexual abuse and a lot of unrest in the family. My brother was in prison when I was eight years old until I was 12 and four, uh, you know, a white kid growing up in a suburban neighborhood, you didn't really hear about other people going to prison at that time for me in Ohio, uh, in my neighborhood. And so I was very, I was looked down upon a lot by everyone in our family was because my brother went to prison for selling drugs to an undercover cop. And I was sexually abused at five. That happened at eight. My sisters had their own kind of traumatic experiences uh, attempting suicide and different types of things like that. And it was just like a lot of, tra- it just seemed like trauma was kind of building up in different areas, but the sexual abuse side of things wasn't early. It was one of my, it's still one of my earliest memories is being sexually abused at five years old. I remember going to preschool once before that. I remember uh, being in kindergarten, uh, drawing uh, an image of Clifford, the big red dog, and maybe a couple of other, other memories, but this is the memory from my you know earliest memories that I that I thought about a lot and that kind of triggered me throughout my entire life. It drove me and it triggered me, and then um, it took me 25 years until I was able to kind of unpack it and talk about it for the first time and start to heal and forgive and release it. And I think uh, it's a it's a daily practice still today to continue to heal and continue to be at peace about it because our trauma can easily come back and trigger us in times of abuse or or neglect or whatever that trigger may be for each one of us. And for me, the trigger is 
feeling taken advantage of because I felt that that was happening to me all the time as a kid in many different scenarios, not just with sexual abuse. And so it's a practice to seek how to feel at peace and how to disconnect from the feeling of abuse and taking advantage of and and really just letting go of it all on a daily basis. So one of the reasons why I started on the path of School of Greatness and everything else was to figure out how do I heal? How do I grow? How do I release? How do I serve myself so I can serve more people? And I just didn't want to feel trapped anymore. And I don't, I don't know about uh, you guys, uh, or you ladies listening or anyone listening, but I felt like trapped inside of myself and I couldn't get out. It was like, it's like there's something in my chest that wanted to break out of my chest and just be free in the world. And I didn't know what it was Yeah. until I started to talk about it. And that was a, an amazing healing and, and blessing in my life when I did that. So what messages would you like to get through to other people who are at, at a really bad point in their lives right now. Maybe they've had sexual abuse. Maybe they've had financial difficulties, relationship difficulties, whatever it might be. What's the first thing that you want to say to them? Well, I think that's a interesting point because now is a, one of the craziest times in the world right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it reminds me of 2008. Mm-hmm. Now, in 2008, I was 24, turning 25. And I really was in a tough place. This was a tough place for my life. You know, I was alive and I had, you know, a, a place to sleep and things like that. But from my point of view, it was a tough place. I was going to, after my dream, which is to play professional football in 2007, I was playing arena football, making $250 a week, not enough to live off of. They gave us food stamps to eat. But for me, it was still living the dream because it's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. When that ended from an injury I had, I broke my wrist and had a, a cast on for six months. I essentially lost my job. I had no money in the bank because I didn't have any savings after $250 a week. I had a lot of student loans I was paying off still and and didn't have the money to pay them off. I went through a breakup in a relationship. I was then living on my sister's couch for a year and a half, eating off of her scraps. I, you know, I had this surgery. I was living off three credit cards. I was literally begging anyone who was an adult for $10, $20 at a time. I was just like, can I have $10? Can I borrow $20? I was just begging all the time. I, Still didn't have a college degree. I, I I left early to go play football. Didn't finish from the degree. My grandfather just passed away. My dad was just coming out of a coma for three months from an accident he had. I felt hopeless, helpless. I felt uncertain of my future. I felt like, what's the point? The economy was crashing bigger than it ever crashed in a long time in 2008. No one was hiring people with master's degrees, let alone people who didn't have a college degree. And I just felt like, what am I going to do? And what I would say to people right now is that when I look back at that time, 2008 to 2010, it was the greatest time of my life, not because of the adversity, but because who I became in spite of the adversity and who I was able to create myself into being, which was a future of my life that I truly envisioned was something greater than I was in that moment. I became so resourceful. And I think it is an... It's hard for us to get resourceful, creative, hungry when there's food on the plate Mm -hmm. and we have everything we need. Mm -hmm. But it's when we don't have anything we need, that's when we become the most creative, resourceful human beings. And so 
it's weird because I, I kind of have to put some context when I say this, that this is the greatest, this can be the greatest time of your life. And I put that in context because I don't want pe- people to think that I'm, you know, happy that this is happening in the world right now. But I just know from my personal experience, the greatest things came from my biggest challenges. And when I felt a lot of pressure and uncertainty, because that's when I said, okay, I got to figure this stuff out. I got to, why am I in this position? Why don't I have any skills that are usable to generate an income? Why am I afraid to speak in public? Why do, you know, I just started asking questions, observing things about why I was in the situation. And I said, never again will I need to rely on sleeping on my sister's couch. Never again will I need to rely on begging people for $10 to to buy food. Never again. Well, I was just like, never again do I want to feel this way. So what do I need to create, learn, discover, manifest so this never happens again? when there are uncertain times. So for me, looking back, you know, 10 to 12 years ago, it's really like I get the chills thinking about it right now because I remember saying to myself, never again when there's a crisis will I feel I can't take care of myself. And this is the time that you learn any skill that you want to learn, that you really create the thing you want to create and you create a list of all of your greatest fears and then you go master those fears. You become Batman, you become Spider-Man, whatever it is that you want to become. The fear you have the most right now, you need to go tackle it because you don't want that fear to cripple you once this is all done. You know, it might take weeks, it might take months, it might be a couple of years until things really smooth out. You never want this fear that you have in your life to cripple you in the future when there's another pandemic or when there's another crisis economically or whatever it may be. So use this time to evaluate why you're in the situation right now. Why are you feeling uncomfortable? Lean into it and to go overcome those fears. I think about a post that you had earlier this week about these amazing companies that started during the recession in 2008. And it's crazy. It's like during these really tough times, people do get more creative. They're on their own. They feel scrappier, you know, and they get grittier. Yeah. You got to be scrappy. I think we get too comfortable and, I th- you know, in the last year, I've become more and more, I would say, <laughs> loose or open-minded. Like, I always flew, you know, economy class for the last nine years until the last year. I was finally like, okay, my back hurts every time I fly, so I'm going to invest in business class. But it was like, I had this mentality of like, I'm going to take buses and trains. I'm going to walk. I'm going to take the bike. I'm going to do whatever it takes to save more money. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of like was af- I was afraid to go back to this place of being broke and and feeling helpless. I think it's the feeling of like I'm not in control. I am helpless. I can't help myself. I just never wanted to have that feeling again. And it wasn't until about a year ago, after ten years of building everything, where I was like, okay, I can actually spend for a nice apartment. I can spend. I can actually. I bought my first car. I had a four thousand dollar car for six years until last year. Wow. And I would drive this $4,000 car around Los Angeles, around Beverly Hills and all over the Santa Monica Boulevard. And I didn't care because I was like, I'm not spending money on a car right now. This thing gets me from A to B. It was, you know, I wear a $25 t-shirt pretty much every single day. I just, about a year, two years ago, I was like, okay, let me buy myself a nice pair of shoes. You know, it was this mentality of being resourceful 
and making sure I'm set up. And I'm glad I didn't overspend the money that I had just because I had more of it. I don't need to spend it. I wanted to make sure I was set up. My business was set up. My team was set up. My family is set up. And I'm set up because I just never wanted to have that feeling again. So for me, this is, I put this in context when I say this is an amazing time because people are suffering and dying and there's a lot of pain. And I'm not saying that is amazing, that it's horrible. But what is amazing is that it's going to create a lot of opportunities for people to discover who they truly can become in the future and to bulletproof themselves for this type of stuff in the future. That is what I'm excited about, not the pain and suffering it's causing. And don't you also feel that because so many of us are struggling with one thing or another at, at this point, whether it's self-isolation or loss of income because of, of these times, don't you feel that when there's this mentality of we're all in this together, it's easier to reach out for help uh, to other people in our lives and easier to be open about what we are facing? I think for some people, it might be easier just because they're so isolated after a couple weeks, they feel like they have to reach out before they drive themselves crazy. Other people are probably still stubborn headed and saying, well, I'm going to take care of this on my own and I'm not going to lean on support. For me, you know, 10 to 12 years ago, that range, I kind of just surrendered. You know, I was in this cast. I couldn't like physically work out. So I felt like physically helpless also that I just started essentially begging people for support. And I think they just felt so bad for me. They decided to, you know, take me out to lunch and give me their mentorship. I was like passionately excited and hopelessly begging at the same time. And I think the combination <laughs> with like whenever someone's like broken and has like a cast on, you just feel even more bad for the person. So I think people just gave me kind of pity mentorship. But I was like, I'm going to take any pity scraps I can take right now and learn and apply it. And I just took so much action. That's all I did was just learn something and then go try it, learn and try. And whenever something started to work, I just said, okay, I'm going to be like a bulldog and go all in on this thing and figure it out more, how to optimize it, how to grow it, how to expand it, how to serve more people. And that's all I've done for the last you know 10 to 12 years now is just taking that morsel of pity mentorship and teaching from someone who gave me time and attention with an answer to something and then just ran with it. And now luckily, you know, there's so much more free content out there. This was, I was begging people in person in Columbus, Ohio in 2008, meeting people on LinkedIn. There wasn't a lot of, there was no podcasting. There was no YouTube videos that were talking about this stuff. I didn't read well. So I read one book that really helped me, which was uh, for our work week. And I just ran with that. But for me, it was meeting people in person from LinkedIn in my local community, which really supported me in a big way. You're an expert at networking, and I'm wondering what advice you might have for people who think that's not a skill that they have. I mean, I didn't have any skill. I mean, I say this, I had skills. I was passionate. I had, you know, love. I had those type of skills. I could listen to people, but I didn't have like a technical skill that you could go out and apply in a, in a career. And so I tried to figure out like, what is the thing I can do for people? I can annoy and bug people by sending them messages. That's one thing I can do. And how can I do it in a way where it's not annoying, where it's actually, they want to talk to me. So I just learned how to do that through failing and figuring it out. Then when I was meeting with people, I realized like, I can't just ask them for advice because no one wants to take 20 minutes out of their day and give some poor 
scrub advice. They don't have the time. So what is the thing that I can switch so that everyone will give me their time when it's the most valuable thing they have when they're successful and busy and have things going on? And I realized that most people love to share their story of their success. They don't want to tell, they don't want to give you advice. They don't want to take time out of the day to give you advice, but they will gladly take time out of the day. If you reframe it on why you want to meet them to hear specifically the story of their success and how they overcame something very challenging. People get excited. When you ask me the question, how did you guys, how did you do it? I started to get excited about it because I could talk about something I'm excited about that was meaningful in my life. And people will give you all their time to share about something that's meaningful in their life of how they overcame something or how they rose to the occasion in their career or got the funding or whatever it may be. And so I started to reach out to people over LinkedIn email and acknowledge them and acknowledge them for the results they created, the things they overcome by researching all the things they had done and by doing my research and being thoughtful in my messaging, not just saying, hey, I like what you've done. Can you give me 10 minutes so I can pick your brain? It's just I realized quickly that didn't work. And through acknowledgement, through research, through taking the time to get to know someone and ask them thoughtful questions, they want to give you more of their time. And then when I would meet people in person, I would never ask them for advice. I would never ask them for help. Uh, I would never ask them for introductions. I would never ask for jobs or whatever it may be. I would always ask thoughtful questions. This was before I had a podcast. I would just ask thoughtful questions. And then at the end, I would say, what is your biggest challenge right now? And I think the key to building relationships, people call it network, and I'm calling it building relationships, is finding a way to serve that relationship in the highest level of their biggest challenge. And when you figure out what the person's biggest challenge is and you serve it quickly, on demand, in the moment, you become the champion of that, that individual where they want to scream your name from the rooftops to every thought leader, valuable connection, friend, family member that they know. And I started doing this from 2008 to 2010. I started hosting these LinkedIn networking events all around the country. I did 20 of them in about a year and a half. And all I would do is sit at the front door and people would walk into these events, shake every person's hand, ask them what their biggest challenge is. And then as the next person and what they did, what was their big, their greatest skill and what's your biggest challenge? And as they would walk through and more hundreds of people would come through the door, you know, 20 minutes later, someone would say, here's my greatest skill and my biggest challenge is this. And I'd say, oh, you got to go meet Sally, you know, and I would walk them over to this person. I was like, this person has your skill set that you need and their biggest challenge is what you offer. Connect. And I would just do it quickly in 20 seconds and then go back to the door and say hi to the next person. And you can do this at events. You can do this online. You can do this in person, one-on-one. When I would meet these successful people uh, in Columbus, Ohio, in person, one-on-one, and I would ask them what their biggest challenge is, I started building such a qualified network of just great people that I would call their solution in that moment, the person that I knew would be a good fit. I would call them and I'd just hand the phone over to the person who just gave me their story of success. 
And I'd say, here's your next sales rep. Here's your head of IT. Here's your marketing guru. Here's the web developer. And they would connect and it would be instant value. And I think people miss that opportunity of creating instant value. And that's when people remember you. When you created something that was a painful point for them and you made it easy. Something they've been probably ruminating over for weeks, months, that's been this pain point, And you just took the thorn out of their stomach and put some nice aloe vera over there really quickly to help them <laughs> heal. And that's what you've got to be thinking about if you're thinking about networking or building relationships is how can you serve the highest level? Who do you admire? Um, I admire the greatest version of myself, which I haven't reached yet. And every day I visualize that person, myself, who is unwavering, who is calm under pressure, who is loving under attacks and hate and abuse. Uh, and that's the person I admire. It's the person I'm striving to be every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I find that during the really good times, I struggle to really appreciate the moment because I'm always worried that the good times won't last and that there's going to be a negative shift really soon. And the longer the good times are lasting, the more nervous I get. What advice do you have for staying grounded and not being nervous about the future? I try to enjoy the great times. I know what you mean by that because there's been years where I'm like, man, everything is just working out perfectly. Like, man, I'm just, I just can't fail. I'm right. just like mm -hmm. successful. Everything, everything I touch turns to gold. Like anything I do is just a hit. And, um, and I sometimes think about that. I'm like, okay, at some point I got to fail. At some point something's going to happen. Or <laughs> the times are going to change. Yeah. Something's going to change. Right. And so I really just try to appreciate all of it. And it, last year I, I, I really stepped into appreciating, you know, um, challenges more. And that's why I think right now I'm just like, man, I just feel so prepared emotionally and mentally. Like you can't control the events around you or the people around you, but you can control how you respond to every situation. And so, you know, it's celebrate the good moments and celebrate the challenges. It's both of them. You know, I think I, I, I've been watching a lot of, um, uh, UFC rematches because there's no sports playing right now. So <laughs> UFC rematches and some great, um, it, I love some of these responses. This one guy had like this big loss. He was up for like a, a title or something. And in the press conference, they were like, how bad do you feel about this loss? And he was like, I don't feel that bad. Like this is all a part of life. It's learning, it's growth, it's feedback, it's lessons. And I'm grateful for the experience. You know, I've been at the top. I've fallen and I'm going to get back to the top. And I think that journey mentality and appreciation mentality of every moment of every lesson is where if we can get to that, it doesn't hurt us as much. You know, it, it's going to hurt, but you, you reframe it. You change your perspective around it. You say, wow, I'm so grateful for this moment because look at all I get to learn. Look at how I get to grow now. Look at how I get to rediscover myself. Look what I need to let go of. So that's what I get excited about. The adversity is the thing that reminds you of where you need to lean into more and what you haven't let go of more. And if something is upsetting you that much, then it has power over you. And why are you allowing something to have power over you? Why can't you learn to let it go? So I think it's all, it's all beautiful, even if it's horrible and tragic and painful. I think it's our 
Uh, it's our duty to shift our perception around it. If we want to live a more beautiful life in the future, if we don't, if we want to stay in suffering and be in pain and be angry and resentful and unforgiving, then that's the life we can choose as well. But I'm just looking for something richer in life. And that's why I'm, I'm not saying I'm always going to be able to be calm and happy and relaxed and all these things. There's been pressure in the last couple of weeks for me, for sure. But I'm taking it in stride and I'm forgiving myself for not beating myself up for too much in moments. And I'm allowing myself to move through it. I just think that's what we need to focus on is, is framing every event and how we can make the most of it for the future. Your podcast is The School of Greatness, and you have a new documentary called Chasing Greatness. How do you define greatness? For me, it evolves over the years. When I was younger, I had a different definition. And the current definition is discovering your unique gifts and talents. Um, and in the discovery of that, pursuing your dreams. And in the pursuit of your dreams making the maximum impact on the people around you. I think, uh, you know, it's not about winning. It's not about um, results. It's not about money. It's about discovering who you are in the journey of life to develop talents that are within you and figuring out the thing that is your unique dream that you were put on this world to do, going after it. I'm not saying you need to accomplish the dream, but being in pursuit of it is the whole point. And in that pursuit, just being a good person to the people around you and impacting people the best way you can. I think that's greatness for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we always ask our guests the same final question. What is your nobody told me lesson? So like we mentioned, you had to go through a lot to get to where you are today. What is it that nobody told you that would have saved you from some of the very tough lessons along the way? Nobody told me how to love myself mm. and nobody told me how to heal emotional trauma and nobody told me how to create self care and nobody told me how to forgive. And I think these are the lessons that if we could learn them at an early age would bring so many more people, more peace and less suffering. And these are the lessons that if people knew at a younger age and practiced consistently, there'd be less alcoholics, less drug addicts, because, you know, we seek for relief in the physical world when our internal world is suffering. We seek for things to give us relief, sugar, alcohol, drugs, whatever, sex. And um, I think I wish people would have told me how to heal all that stuff sooner. So I wouldn't have beat myself up for decades of my life and thought I was a loser and thought I was a nobody and that no one would love me and all these different things. And uh, when I finally learned how to do that through seeking, you know, the answers and being on a journey of that, that path, it's, it, it shifted everything in me where I could finally sleep at night, where I could finally, change the way I talk to myself internally where I can finally feel peace and just not a sense of suffering trapped inside of myself. And um, I just want everyone to have that feeling and have those tools moving forward. And Lewis, how can people connect with you on social media and the internet? Just Lewis Howes everywhere, School of Greatness podcast and uh, lewishowes.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been delightful. 
Appreciate you, ladies. Thank you so much. Thank you so Thank much. You. Again, our thanks to Lewis Howes. His website is lewishowes.com, and his new documentary is called Chasing Greatness. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.